Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This one's for the birds. This one's for the city. This one for the fans that bleed green with me. Push down to 95. To the right is the link. With a team pulling up, knowing that they're getting beat. Exit Broad Street, right on Patterson. Xfinity Live, CPP, what's happening? Dub F Lot, stop by F1. Fly, Eagles, fly. You hear the song getting sung? What team in the league is number one? Bird gang, bird gang. Yeah, I said it twice. You heard me say it once. Now you sure you heard it right. No lies being told. Yeah, it's all facts. It ain't me. Green and Kelly, we don't rock with that. Any given Sunday, we don't ever slack. Yeah, we got an SP, time to run it back. And even on the road, yeah, we taking over. All you see is see a green like you at the Nova. Care less about your squad, bro, it's only us. A cheesesteak tailgate, yeah, we good, bruh. Beer pong baptism, you already know. Con shot, tomato pie, bring three of us. After every bird game, you know where to be. Fourth of John, NBC, in the heart of Philly. About the birds, about the birds, all about the birds. E Rock, Gale, Sonic, Hollywood. Here we go, broadcasting live from NBC Sports Philadelphia Studios. Welcome to 4th and John, episode 101. Boys and girls, you a little nervous there? A little bit? A little nervous? Listen, man, they go up seven points. I'm thinking to myself, look, we'll spot the Redskins a touchdown, no big deal. We all all of a sudden, they score again. Oh, well, we'll spot him two touchdowns. No big deal. You go up three scores, I'm getting a little nervous here. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. It was a tale of two halves. The first half was the 2018 Philadelphia Eagles. The second half was flashes of that Super Bowl champion 2017 Eagles. And man, I'm excited to be 1-0. The Carson Wentz Revenge Tour now goes down to Atlanta, which will be there with the Green Legion. Excited about that. Look, we've got a lot to get into today. Of course, we're going to have more Redskins reaction. We're going to be talking about that Atlanta tri- uh, Falcons trip. Uh, Malik Jackson on injured reserve. Not good, guys. But the Eagles did sign another defensive tackle, which is okay. And of course, we've got to get into the big topic that's been surrounding Philadelphia over the last couple days since the tailgate. But before we get into all that, I want to pass it off to my man, Mr. Gail Saunders, Eagle Sessions on Twitter. Gail, how you feeling today? I'm feeling great, man. A dub is a dub in the NFL. Uh, it's the first season, uh, I mean, the first week of the season, we got a dub to start off on the right foot. Obviously, we didn't start off on the right foot on in the first quarter, yeah. uh, either, especially me, I didn't get into the game until midway into the second quarter because my ticket didn't work, which was kind of weird. Yeah. But I got in there, uh, and that's when they started to uh, – take off a little bit. Uh, but I, I really, um, one thing that really just stood out, you know, look at this shirt. Look at the shirt, man. Ooh, fresh I, from Design back, Tree, fresh I mean, off I mean, the presses. This, this dude, man, he really is a jolt of energy to this offense. Um, I think his, his presence alone on this field just puts so much stress on defenses. So what comes to my mind, it's pick your poison. Mm. While, while Deshaun might have had a great game this week, next week it could be Alshon. Mm-hmm. It could be Zach Ertz. It could be Nelson Aguilar. But at the end of the day, 
you, you have to be excited about what he brings to the table, what he helps Carson Wentz elevate his game to. But at the end of the day, it's uh, Carson Wentz really showed out that the maturation process is great to watch. Just seeing him step up to the line, change the play, and, you, and you're looking in your head like something is about to go down. And I, I really think that Carson Wentz, the sky's the limit. I you, mean, You just mentioned, right, it, next week it could be Alshon. Next week it could be Nelson. It could be Zach Hurts. If you're the Atlanta Falcons right now and you're game planning for the Philadelphia Eagles, that defensive coordinator is taking a look at what happened in the second half and going, we cannot let number 10 catch fire the way he did in the second half. Mm -hmm. Because the, the Redskins had the lead. They had them right where they wanted them. Surprised. Surprised them. I don't know whether that's Wendell Smallwood, you know, kind of giving off the game plan. I almost think that maybe, and I, I'm, I'm reaching here, but almost maybe that that was the reason that they were going heavy Darren Sproles and heavy Dink and Dunk. I mean, D Darren Sproles had, besides Deshaun Jackson, he was second in all-purpose yards. Mm -hmm. So the game plan was to kind of focus on Darren Sproles, Darren Sproles, Darren Sproles, maybe because they were like, look, Wendell Smallwood, they already kind of know what's going on with the playbook, all right? A little bit of a Wendell kind of sabotage there. Mm -hmm. Let's try to trick them. They got a little too cute with, the, with too much sprawls and the dink and dunk. But, man, when Deshaun Jackson got back in that huddle and was like, yo, just let it fly, man. We were all waiting for it. It happened. And, and if you're the Falcons right now, you're looking at that second half going, we can absolutely not let that happen. So what are you doing? You're focusing on Deshaun. Well, there's more weapons than number 10 on this offense. And Deshaun, like we said time and time again in the offseason, Deshaun Jackson's finally that speedster that's going to blow a top on a defense, you, off a defense. you got to respect it, and it's going to open up everybody else on this offense. And I was talking about that nuance to his game, to his, his route running, and, and the ability to move inside and slot and stress the seams, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, it, those three-by-one sets where you got uh, Zach Hurts on, on, on an island by himself is going to cause stress to any defense. Yeah. There's like, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know how you cover that. And I think when, you know, Carson Wentz, you know, they're, they're waiting for the, that opportunity. When they see the defense, they got the right call, you know, check, check, check. That's the best thing. Like, I, I really feel like, you know, you, Deshaun in the slot is going to wreck game plans. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Evan Hollywood Hearn, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. It is so good to have Deshaun, Baxen, uh, Deshaun Jackson back in this lineup. Um, I think that just having him out on the field, like what we, we, we got into last year with uh, Zach Ertz had 116 receptions, right? He was, he was checked down to a lot all, all year long. Deshaun Jackson has got the speed that once he gets past all the defenders, he's gone. So, yeah. like, it's almost as if – uh, Carson Wentz has like a safety blanket all the way down the field because if, if Deshaun happens to get behind all those defenders he could just chuck it up there and let Deshaun run underneath of it and that's the most beautiful thing ever I think Carson had a little glimmer in his eye the first time he connected deep with Deshaun it was oh, nice yeah. but um, okay, go, I, I want to touch on a couple things real quick one uh, real quickly Jay Gruden uh, healthy scratch in AP that, that was a highly questionable Dis move disrespect right there. That, that was mm. complete disrespect yeah. um, but I, I think the one thing that, we, that I want to focus on here with Carson Wentz let me read the stat line for you. Okay. 12 for 13, 197 yards, three touchdowns, 158.3, perfect quarterback rating. That was on third down alone in that game. Third down alone. Now, if we, if we go over to uh, Kirk Cousins versus the Falcons, he went 8 for 10 with 98 yards and one touchdown. So on just third down alone, Carson Wentz 
threw for 100 more yards and two more touchdowns. Dude, I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. And see, and, and I think that trust, part of I was watching Carson Wentz and watching Deshaun Jackson, and it seemed like early on he wanted the uncork one. But that trust factor wasn't there. And then when Deshaun got that first touchdown, you, you started to see that confidence and that chemistry mm-hmm. starting to grow. And that's why preseason was important. Look, I, I, I get it. They didn't have to play preseason. You don't want to risk it. And you're using the first half as basically your preseason to set you up for the second half right. against the Redskins and the rest of the season. But that, that trust factor is going to continue to grow. Uh-huh. Again, you throw balls to Deshaun differently than you throw them to anything else. If Deshaun Jackson is even, that first touchdown, I believe, if my memory serves me correctly, Deshaun was even. And he just threw it anyway. Because you got to trust that speed. But if you're even, you're leaving. If, it, if it's even, he's leaving. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I mean, let's get into it. Let's get into it because the big news wasn't necessarily the Eagles going 1-0 for the last two days. The big news wasn't as good as Carson Wentz looked. Wasn't even on the field. Or it wasn't even on the field, man. It was in the parking lot. So let's just just talk through it. Let's get it out of the way. And I don't want to spend a a lot of time on it, but I know I'm going to end up spending a lot of time on it anyway. And, of course, I said most of what I had to say on a video that I put out on Twitter, which, by the way, got way more attention than I was expecting it to get. But I had to say what I had to say because as a person who tailgates and throws tailgates and provides a welcome and open environment for Eagles fans from across the country and across the globe, really. We had, we had people from Holland or, or the Netherlands. Yeah, that, Vancouver as Vancouver well. as well. As a person who t- makes a high priority on providing a great environment for Eagles fans and opposing fans, because yeah. we've had opposing fans at the tailgate, this was disappointing news, especially in my parking lot. All right? I'm doing the beer bong baptism. I got the Pope hat. You know how I do. You've seen it on social media. And all of a sudden, Puga tugs me out of the shirt. And I'm busy. So I turn around. I'm like, not right now, right now, Puga. And then he tugs me again. <laughs> Puga, I'm busy. And then he yanks on my jersey. What? And he tells me, dude, I, I was just over on the other side of the parking lot. I just saw Mike Scott got, get in a fight. He ain't coming. To which then I have to explain to Mark Farzetta and NBC Sports Philadelphia and all the camera crews that were sitting there and waiting, and all the people that were sitting there and waiting to take a picture with Mike Scott, or to get his autograph, or to say hello to him, or shake his hand, or thank him for everything that he does for this city, I had to tell them that he wasn't coming. That was disappointing. I said most of what I have to say, but what I wanted to communicate on this podcast, on this particular subject today, is this. Eagles fans, you didn't boo Santa Claus. You shouldn't be held responsible for that. It is not your fault. You didn't throw batteries. You shouldn't be held responsible for that. It's not your fault. Eagles fans, at least the most of who I talked to, you weren't there at Veterans Stadium when they booed Michael Irvin. That's not your fault. You shouldn't be held responsible for that. It's not fair. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to me. It's not fair to anybody. But I don't know if your parents told you or your parents' parents told them. Sometimes life ain't fair, all right? And we're going to be held responsible for the actions of people who previously came before us, right? There was a culture in Philadelphia once upon a time, the 700-level culture at Veterans Stadium, 
I had season tickets in the 600 level. I can't tell you how many times as a young kid I used to sit in those seats and be distracted from the game because I had to turn around and look because there were fights happening behind me. Mm -hmm. And Eagles fans used to be proud of that. They used to hang their hat on that, that they were tough fans, that they were rowdy fans, that if you walked into Veterans Stadium wearing an opposing jersey, that you had a good chance of getting roughed up. They put a holding cell at the bottom of the stadium. There was a judge that would, that would process you right then and there. The drink tank, Judge Seamus McCaffrey, they used to make an announcement about it before the games. That was the culture of the Philadelphia Eagles. The 700 level died when the vet imploded. Think about everything that I just said. People in opposing jerseys go into games. A holding cell at the bottom of the stadium. A judge to process people who were misbehaving. I've seen a culture change in this city. A big culture change. All right? And, the P- and, I, and, I'm, and I'm part of this weird age demographic, this weird generation where I remember Veteran Stadium vividly and what that experience was like. And I remember Lincoln Financial Field when it first opened. Now, the people who had season ticket holders and were used to going to the vet will tell you that when they went to Lincoln Financial Field, they got soft. But those people who used to cause that kind of trouble got old, and they can't cause that kind of trouble anymore. And the people at Lincoln Financial Field look at what happened at Veterans Stadium and go, can you, they laugh at it. It's almost laughable. Because there was a time and place for that, but that culture no longer exists in Philadelphia. Eagles fans, I don't want to tell you to be soft. I don't want to be, tell you to be less passionate. I don't want to tell you to be less enthusiastic. But we can't change the past. You didn't boo Santa. You didn't throw batteries. You didn't boo Michael or cheer for Michael Irvin when he got hurt. But what you can do is not reinforce the low-hanging fruit that the national media will continue to pick off the bush, not even the tree, the bush, which is a centimeter off the ground. Mm -hmm. Don't help reinforce a negative stereotype. If you're going to do your part, start to change the culture of how this fan base is being viewed. There was a recent ESPN article put out about fans and fandom and the most passionate, intense fans, and they had three categories on which they labeled everything. Mm -hmm. One was fan interaction with social media. One was uh, spend or merchandise revenue. And the other was attendance. Well, who got fan interaction? Dallas Cowboys, international brand. It's like the New York Yankees, right? Who got the the most spend? Cowboys. Because people spend their money. Again, global brand, kind of like the New York Yankees. Who was number one in traveling with the team and in fan attendance? That was the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles fans, that's what I want you to hang your hat on. Not fighting, not harassing people in opposing jerseys, not any of that. I want you to be passionate. I want you to be loud. I want you to be energized. I want you to be all over. I want you to take over stadiums like we're getting ready to take over the Atlanta Falcons stadiums next week. But if we're going to move forward as a fan base, we need to leave all that crap that's throwing snowballs at Santa Claus and cheering on Michael Irvin and throwing batteries. That's lazy report. I may never see it in my lifetime. I might die before they stop bringing up snowballs at Santa Claus. You will. But eventually, because that happened in 1960, 100 years later, are they still going to be bringing it up in 2060? Maybe. Maybe not. That depends on you. 
That depends on how you behave and not reinforcing those stereotypes. So I implore you, Eagles fans, do not reduce that passion. But be smart. Be the fan base that everyone else looks at, every other team looks at, and says, I wish I had that fan base. Be the reason why Eagles players continue to come back home time and time again and make this city their home. Continue to be the best fans in the NFL, and don't let incidents like what happened on Sunday with Mike Scott tarnish your reputation. That's all I got to say about it, Gail. Yeah, I mean, I think it's time to change the narrative. I mean, as, as fans, uh, as passionate as we are at the end of the day, we, we, we're trying to, like, just sh show the love. Mm -hmm. You know, at our tailgate, we, we welcome people. I mean, last year we had a situation where it was the, the Vikings game. We had Viking fans at our tailgate, and we fed them, had, you know, had beers with them, mm -hmm. hung out with them, had a good time. You know, you know, some jokes here and there. The media showed up started interviewing the guy. They used the same clips later on to say that we were harassing Viking fans and used our tailgate as an um, example of, you know, a player getting, uh, a person getting harassed. And then that same Viking fan had to re reach out to the media and say, no, these guys took care of us. And at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do here is change the narrative and show love. Uh, but we're diehard, passionate Eagle fans. Um, one thing about this whole Mike Scott thing is, you know, you know, the racism that was involved, you know, the, the, the hate speech or whatever you want to call it. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I don't care if you wear the same colors as me. I can't, I can't deal with racists. No. You know, it's, emba it's embarrassing. Yeah. And I, I feel like the guys that were involved in this uh, situation are dealing with a lot of issues at this moment. You know, you know their jobs might be on the line because of such uh, things that happen at the tailgate. But um, it's, you know... You, we're watching a game here. It's We're trying game. to root on our Eagles. It's a football game. Uh, and a guy who's been an all-star, like you said, on social media, giving back. The guy's renting out, like, ice cream trucks, yeah. giving out ice cream. He's a cream. fan favorite, for sure. He's done a lot uh, in a short period of time, and that's something that Philadelphia fans love to root for the underdog. A guy, he's not the, he's not the superstar on this roster uh, for the Sixers, but he's a guy who shows heart. Shows passion, and he doesn't back down because he ain't no. He yeah. said it. He said it. I, I mean, look, it, it's, it's a lot of hard work that we put into the tailgates, and we know because we're a brand here, 4th and John, representing Eagles fans because the social media timeline is just filled with you know, what's going on at the tailgates and stuff like that. We're, we're not the only tailgate in F-Lot. You guys understand that, right? Like, if you've never attended, F-Lot's pretty big. There's 50 tailgates going on in the same lot. But when you hear F-Lot, 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 for people who aren't used to it or don't go to the games or who are out of town or, or just viewing this on social media, when they hear that Mike Scott got in a fight or had a racial slur tossed his way by dudes are wearing these t-shirts and it says F-Lot on it, all of a sudden, even though we're not associated with that gang whatsoever, somehow our name gets thrown into it. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a lot of work to put on these tailgates, but we, Gail, you and I have been kind of working overtime for the last two days trying to do like PR work for something that we weren't even involved yeah. with. Poor Gail's at work literally going <laughs> over articles mm -hmm. going over publications because some people aren't getting it right 
Some people are saying, oh, Mike Scott, instead of supposed to be at the 4th and John tailgate or on his way to the 4th and John tailgate, got in a fight at the 4th and John tailgate. Yeah. And thank God Gail's there scanning the Internet, looking for articles so he can correct these people. Yeah, I had to reach out to the writer, and I was just like, I just want to make sure that you have the story correct. This is what happened. What you're hearing and what you just wrote is totally false. He was not at our tailgate. This did not happen at our tailgate. But these are the kind of things that are out there in the media. And if I didn't correct him, that story would still be out there. But um, he did update the story, yeah. uh, update on that. But uh, at the end of the day, it's like this is what we're dealing with, and it's 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 funny. It's 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 today's it's today's world we live in. Yeah, but I I, I think as fans we all need to evolve. Like I th- I think that back in the day, um, it, it used to just be like you know our team's tougher than yours, and like but I feel like we need to enter into. I would much rather have a fan base that just knows everything about their team, and that's why they're recognized as such good fans because they can go down the whole fifty-three man roster. And I feel like if you can, if you if if you want to get if you want to rib back and forth with fans from opposing teams, that's fine, yes. and that, like that's that's perfectly fair game. And but my point of all that is beat them with with conversation and logic. You don't you don't need to start getting physical and violent. Um, if you if you can just go and show that you know more about their team than they do, and then that and expose them as a somewhat fake football fan, then you you embarrass them verbally, and then there's no physical altercations. And that, that that's how you handle that's how you can handle a fan. But. And look, I'm not saying to every person wearing an opposing jersey walking into Lincoln Financial Field that you should greet them with a nice warm right. hug, buy them a drink and sing Kumbaya together. That's not what I'm saying at all. Listen, if you if you go to the tailgate, you should expect a healthy dose of ball breaking. Mm-hmm. You should expect, you know, if you walk by a tailgate, you we've been yeah. we've been to MetLife Stadium, right? Yeah. So when we go to MetLife Stadium, when we go to see Eagles Giants, we walk by tailgates, we get the a-hole chant. It's to be expected. You just keep moving. I mean, we'll we walked hit- out of Tampa last year. Oh we my only God! Eagles we were hearing it. Oh, we were getting crushed, but that's to be expected. But never at any point walking out of Tampa when people were talking smack did we ever feel threatened. Never did we feel like we were ever going to get into a – what is this? Yeah, there's oh, the, the news on Antonio man. Brown. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Never walking out of any of the, any of the uh, stadiums did we ever feel threatened. I've been going to MetLife Stadium for the last five years, wearing my Eagles jersey. And, of course, again, you get the a-hole chant. You get the, hey, you're at the wrong stadium chant. Hey, your birds are going down, you know, you know so, so, something like that. But for the last five years, without incident. Mm-hmm. For the last three years, we've been going down to FedEx Field to watch the Washington Redskins play the Eagles and the Eagles team, you know, of course, dominate. But nevertheless, we were going down there without incident. You mean to tell me, Eagles fans, the Giants fans, and Redskins fans are better behaved than you are? They're not. They're not more passionate. They're not more, they're not better fans, all right? Because that doesn't make them better fans. That stuff died with the 700 level, dude. This freaking mentality that, yo, and, and, and for the love of God. It's, it's the type of person that goes out, that wakes up in the morning and it goes out looking for a fight that day. That's, that's the type of person that's going out and, and getting in a fight in the parking lots. It's, it's funny that we, you know, there's been really uh, some, some other altercations that happened at other stadiums with other fan bases, like a Cowboy fan got killed um, by a Red, uh, Washington fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so but I mean, you don't hear about you, it. But you don't – it doesn't get plastered all over their fan base like ours. But, but, that, but hey, listen, 
comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. It ain't fair. Again, Eagles fans, it's not fair that we are burdened with the mistakes of the past. But life's not fair. You know what I mean? We're Eagles fans. We are going to have to carry this stigma until we, the fans, correct the stigma. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if, what we're trying to do here at 4th and John is a big part of trying to correct that stigma. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I remember, I remember being at Veterans Stadium when Michael Irvin went down and everybody was cheering. And I'm not going to say that. I, I, was, I was 15, 16 years old at the time. I'm not saying that I wasn't there kind of cheering it on too. Until you realized that, oh, my God, he's like, he's like hurt, hurt. He's hurt, hurt. And then everybody shut up. But I remember on the drive home, the postgame show, Bill Berge was on the postgame show. And he was just laying in the Eagles fans, man. He was just laying into us for our behavior. And you're talking back, about, back in the 90s. You're not, this is before the, like, Social media. This is before Facebook. This was before MySpace. This is when we were still dialing up with AOL modems. You've got mail. That was that era. And I remembered, like, Bill Berge laying into us, and I forget the exact phrasing that he used, but the point always stuck with me. He's like, hey, Eagles fans, you screwed up because you're going to be hearing about this for a very very long time. And when you do, you've got nobody to blame but yourself. That always stuck with me. Because even at that young age, like, I felt bad that I might have done something. Even though I was, I was like 15, I didn't know any better. But I felt bad because when he got hit, I went like this up until the point where you realize he's hurt. You knew hurt. it was wrong. Then, you knew it was wrong. That message always stuck with me. And so when I started the social media, I don't even know what to call it, the social media fan, whatever it is, the E-Rock. When I started this, I always kept that in mind because I knew if I did something to put the team or to fit, more specifically the fans in a negative light, that that was going to stick. These guys, and honestly, I, I, I wonder to myself because I know these guys. I don't know. I don't know. Let me take that back. I know of these guys. They're in the same lot. Parking lot security was having problems with them for a very, very, very long time before this incident. They were getting in the fight trucks. I don't know if you pulled up next to me on the way into the stadium, but they were already getting into it. They just got there, and they were getting into it with parking lot security. And I wonder, I honestly wonder, that if that wasn't Mike Scott, the NBA player, famous, and if this wasn't taped, or videoed, or captured on social media, would those same guys be in the parking lot the next week with that dumbass casket, sitting there with that dumbass microphone, harassing and berating opposing fans and bragging to themselves, yeah, you know, remember that time that that Redskins fan came up? Yeah, we gave him a piece of our mind, called him the end bomb and, and, and swung on him and ganged up on him. They'd probably still be there. Yeah. I mean, you think one of the things I, I did like to see uh, today, uh, by the Eagle fans on t- on Twitter, uh, they they did a lot of policing. Yeah. I mean, you had uh, you know reporters out there that were trying to get to the to the, to the bottom of the story, mm-hmm. you know, and fans were out there trying to give as much information, and they were really digging deep, you know, finding pictures yeah. from Instagram, like piecing together backstories, and people that were you know that tailgate in that area were giving really uh, good information on who they were and. 
you know, at the end of the day, the people wanted to get to the end. Of, I mean, the Eagle fans wanted to get get to the bottom of the story mm-hmm. to just, you know, kind of like show that this is not what Eagle fans are. Uh, and, and we do police our own definitely on the timeline. So uh, that was good to see. It is amusing to watch an investigation happen from start to finish over the timeline. It was almost like the when, Eric when they get thing, piece yeah. by piece. And oh, you're yeah. like at 3 o'clock, like, oh, we got another picture. So, yeah. And what I pray and what I would ask the Eagles and ask Wells Fargo parking security is that they don't change the rules and they don't ruin it for the rest of us because a couple bad eggs had an incident. That they don't start banning alcohol at the tailgates or open containers. at the. They could do it. They could do it. Or they don't start pushing back the start date. Because, Gail, you and I went down, to, uh, went down to Washington, and that tailgate didn't – I mean, I don't think the parking lots for a 1 o'clock game opened up until 9. I mean, even, even Tampa, when we got down, they were like, where is the, the tailgating? It didn't yeah. start, like, till what, 10? 10. And the game started at 1. Yeah. Think about that. If it, start, if it starts at 10, and, and, and Washington might have been 10, because we were sitting there yeah. waiting for a while. We showed up the book crack thinking it was like Philadelphia, and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So if the if the parking lot's open at ten and you can tailgate, it takes a half hour. Tri, uh, prime trucks, you guys know, it takes about a half hour to set up. Now all of a sudden you're at ten thirty. We got to start breaking down by eleven thirty. That's an hour's worth of tailgate. Eagles, Wells Fargo parking security. I beg of you, do not let this one incident ruin it for the rest of us. If anything, learn something from the people on Twitter. Learn something from what we're saying right here. Learn something from the culture that's changing within this fan base and allow us to keep doing what we're doing. And if something happens, I know you'll get to the bottom of it. But we'll also police our own. We will also police our own. We've got a game to go to, guys. Boys, I, I, I can't tell you how excited. We're going to be on a flight bright and early at 6 a.m., headed down to Atlanta to go party it up with the Green Legion. And I'm glad that I'm not going to feel intimidated going down to Atlanta, right? Because we're rolling about 600 deep. 600 deep down to the Atlanta Falcons Stadium. We got done. Uh, we got tired of kind of kicking their butt at our stadium. Hmm. So they might have mighty ice. But Carson Wentz is absolutely heating up. And if they think they're going to rise up, they're going to get the smack down. I think we can win this game. It's, it's, it's a little bit curious because going back to my prediction of the Minnesota game last year, it might mean more to them than it does to us. I have a hard time believing that, but it might, considering the way they exited the playoffs uh, in 2017 and the way we beat them on the home opener last year, mm-hmm. right? And considering they're coming off, getting dominated by the Minnesota Vikings, they might have some added motivation. Gail, give me some, some keys to victory. Give me some thoughts on this game. Give me, give me something that the Eagles have to do in order to be victorious down there in Atlanta. I think at the end, uh, you got to win the trenches. Uh, that's where it starts. I think if you look at their offensive line, you know, they have some rookies in there. Uh, one of their rookies just went down, Chris Lindstrom, uh, who was put on the IR. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're left. one of their other tackles is a rookie. Um, so, if you saw the kind of pressure that, that the Vikings got, I believe our line is better than the Vikings. I think yeah. if they bring the, the, the pressure, Matty, Matty Ryan, Matt Ryan is, is in for a long day. Well, bringing the pressure, you know, some guy that we brought in named Malik Jackson, who was yeah. not that great against the run, but man, he was a good pass-rushing defensive tackle, of course, is on injured reserve. 
bad news. Mm-hmm. Not absolutely hore- like, look, you still got Fletcher Cox, who is the best defensive tackle in the league, not named Aaron Don- Donald. Or Donald. Donald, I'm sorry. Aaron Donald. Uh, you still got Timmy Jernigan, all right, uh, who were your defensive tackles last year. So it, how, how is that hitting you? Is it, it, how is the, the Malik Jackson injured reserve thing? I mean, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's, a tough, it's a tough L because uh, they were so excited about what he brought to the table. Um, Fletcher Cox was excited about having a player of his caliber right next to him. Uh, it was a different dynamic, um, but I think you're going to have to, uh, you know, have to get creative. Um, they got Akeem Spence. Mm. Uh, not, not. I mean, he, he's got he's got some experience, but I think they're going to have to shuffle the line around. But it's going to have to be Timmy Jernigan. He's got to come to the rescue. Uh, I think with a healthy version of Timmy Jernigan, you have to be excited about what he brings to the table. He's one of the only guys who got a sack last week. I think he's in a contract year. Uh, I think. Tim Jernigan is he's, – he's ready to accept that challenge. And something that Jim Schwartz spoke on during the press conferences today was that, you know, the, the Redskins, especially in the first half, did a pretty creative job of chipping and keeping tight ends in, bringing in extra blockers, and trying to slow down that Eagles pass rush just enough where the coverage started to slip in the defensive backfield and they were able to complete some passes. Mm -hmm. That's how the Redskins were able to move the ball so early on, or or the Redskins were able to move the ball so early on the Redskins. And they were able to move it effectively. The absolute, you're absolutely right. It's one in the trenches and the Eagles defensive line has to hit home because you know that Falcons offense is reviewing that tape. Yeah. You know they're looking at the blocking schemes. You know they're looking at what was successful for the Redskins and what wasn't successful. Gail, the rotation of defensive backs was a little curious because they almost, and he was asked, Jim Schwartz was asked about this in the press conference. Darby was like on a pitch count. Yeah, you saw Sidney Jones in there. Razul Douglas got burned. Sandejo, who's like diet Kirk Coleman back yeah. there, can't really, isn't exactly cutting it. Is the secondary, even though it's been one game and it was one bad half, secondary concerning you at all? Uh, they collectively didn't play that hot. I think all of them kind of made some errors there. Mm-hmm. I think this is the first time they're all playing together. And I think at the end of the day, it's about communication and how they communicate moving forward after watching the, the tape, after watching their mistakes, and them going back back in the lab and, and trying to communicate where they went wrong. I think on one of those plays where uh, Russell got beat, they were, they were blitzing. Uh, and Jim Schwartz made a comment about, you know, about blitzing. Yeah, you know, you, but, you know, I don't know about Rasul Island, if that's a thing. I don't want it to be a thing. I, I want a shell over Rasul. I think Rasul can get physical with uh, some of these corners. I like that. Uh, we saw him make a great play on Julio Jones last year yep. uh, mm-hmm. down by the goal line. But I, I really think, you know, they have an opportunity to uh, show up again. I, I think, th- you know, Ronald Darby missed the perfect opportunity for an interception. Yeah. Uh, we yeah, saw a lot of missed tackles in that secondary. But I think – they're going to get back to uh, basics, and, you know, they should play a better game. Listen, they, 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 a lot of them didn't play in the preseason. They're shaking off the rust. I think the game plan was probably a little, little weird for the first game of the season. Dougie's still getting his flow. Everything's vanilla in the preseason. Yeah. They were, the, the defense front was strong against the run. Yeah. You know, they, Washington didn't do a, a damn thing against the first in the run. Yeah. Now, if you look at the, uh, you know, the Falcons, Edo Smith rushed for 31 yards. 
Devonta Freeman rushed for 19 yards, mm. uh, and they shut down the run game. Now, if we shut down the Falcons' run game, make them one-dimensional, put a little shell over uh, Julio Jones. I mean, he was targeted 11 times. You know, that's where Matt, Matt Ryan wants to go. Yep. Uh, you're going to have to, uh, you know, shut him down and, and make them beat you with their other weapons through there. Evan, give me something on the Falcons game. How did the Eagles win this game? I think, uh, honestly, it comes down to a strong run game. Uh, when the Vikings played the Falcons, uh, Dalvin Cook and his backup, Alex Madison, both averaged over five yards per carry. So I think that the, um, being able to beat them on the ground is going to be crucial. Um, but, like, if you also weigh how the, how the Vikings attacked the, uh, the Falcons versus how the Eagles played against the Redskins, the Eagles had 39 passes and 26 uh, design run plays this, this week. Well, uh, and granted, they were playing from behind, and they were they were they were coming and bringing back a um, they were coming from behind. And the Vikings went with ten passes and thirty two designed runs. Granted, they were playing uh, with the lead, so I think that the Eagles are going to end up just kind of evening that out a little bit more. Mm. They're gonna they're gonna have uh, some more run plays, less pass plays, and if um, Jordan Howard and Darren Sproles and Miles Sanders can all get it going, I think they'll be fine. And, yeah, if, and I think it's going to open up a lot of uh, play-action balls for Sean down deep. I, listen, we got a little impatient as a fan base once again when they got booed off the field at halftime for the second consecutive year. Again, Eagles fans, don't lose your passion. You're allowed to boo here, all right? Don't lose that passion. Don't lose that vocal aspect of what makes you a fan. But the uh, we got a little impatient with the way the offense was running, especially with the run game, the dink and dunk pass. Listen, you got all these offensive weapons. Why aren't you going deep to Deshaun? Why aren't you going deep? Where are these big, long chunk plays? Listen, in Atlanta, I'm not sure that you need to see it. Set it up, but I'm not sure you need to see it early. Dalvin Cook ran for something like 111 yards on them. 117. And the Eagles, when they won the Super Bowl, were real great in one statistical category, and that was time of possession. Who on the Atlanta Falcons worries you? Who scares you? Who, if you're going to pinpoint at one player, who's going to worry you? Julio, Julio. Jones. Matty Ice to Julio Jones. This is what kept us, this is what kept the Falcons in the game so that we had the win on the last minute, fourth down, and goal, last minute, you know, knock away the pass and squeak one out, not once, but twice in two consecutive years. Run it down the damn throat. Yep. You got the big hogs. Brandon Brooks, for some reason, is superhuman and is coming off of an Achilles, what, eight months later? Mm-hmm. And dominating. Yeah. Jason Kelsey looks healthy. Suma- Jason Sumalu yo, had did a you, great game. Yo, did you see Lane Johnson pancake that dude? Ryan Kerrigan? Yeah. 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 Everybody was worried about he the Redskins. Yo, everybody was worried about the Redskins pass rush. Lane Johnson shut it down. The offensive line looks nasty right now. Jam it down their throats. You ain't got to do it with Sproles. Listen, you kind of blew that in the first game of the year. But let's see a little Miles Sanders. Mm-hmm. Let's run that rock with Jordan Howard. Chew up that clock. Because if Matt Ryan and Julio Jones are sitting on the bench, the most dangerous part of that team is sitting on the bench. And use that to set up the deep ball. And let them worry about Deshaun and hit all those other targets. Am I right? You're right. You know, you know something I like is just, you know, coming from last week, I mean, some people were like, why are you using Sproles or yada, yada, yada. I mean, he played well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was effective. He's productive. Uh, but coming into this week, what does that look like for the Falcons? Where are they placing their uh, attention to in terms of game planning? 
You know, they're, they're like, is Miles Sanders going to get the rock? Is Sproles going to get the rock? Is Jordan Howard? I mean, Jordan Howard had a, a phenomenal uh, day. He really, uh, you know, his, his yards per carry were they All three of those running backs broke off little chunk plays. Uh, so, at the end, uh, you know, I think they have a great opportunity to get on the outside. I mean, our offensive line is better than the Vikings here. Mm. I mean, we've got some pro bowlers there. I, I think it's going to be uh, – a great opportunity to really get this run game fired up. And you know what was one of the most satisfying things about winning that game in the fashion that they did? Where are all the Carson Wentz haters now? <laughs> Where are all the dudes who told them that Carson Wentz was injury prone, that he didn't have it anymore, that he didn't deserve that big contract, what? that they should have kept Nick Foles? Hashtag remind a Wentz hater Monday, <laughs> always going to be a thing. And I'm going to push that. Same thing with the Darren Sproles haters, man. They showed up. But the worst thing about it, you know, all the, all the Wentz haters were talking about, mm. you know, we don't wish injury on one of, you know, one of the best players to play in no, an no, Eagles no, uniform. No, no, no. Nick Foles broke his clavicle. And it's something that people were talking about. Nick Foles is healthy. You know, him as a starting quarterback – He's gotten injured a lot of times, um, and sorry to hear that Nick Foles is hurt, but it's a thing. Yeah. Let me clarify my previous statement. In no way, shape, or form was that directed at the injury of Nick Foles. That, I saw that after the game. It broke my heart. For everything that that guy's done for the city, the organization, and for the Eagles to let him walk and allow him to be the head of a different team, to be the guy, and then in week one. Yeah go down with a season-ending injury. And look, I, like, I don't know, dude. It's almost like he we were was, all rooting for him. We were all rooting for yeah, him. I wanted him to do well in Jacksonville. And, 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 you, and you take a look at that injury history, combined with the fact that he was going to retire from football prior to 2017. And now you look at it and you go, not only is, does he not have the opportunity to lead that team that he deserved that opportunity – but where's the rest of his football career going? Dude, I'm heartbroken over it. Yeah. I'm heartbroken over it. It really is a shame. It really is a shame. Yeah. Let's get to the um, – the twi- before we get to the Twitter questions, I just want to say that traveling with the Green Legion is going to be awesome. We're going to be down there Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I know there's no more tailgate tickets left. If the Eagles continue to be as hot as they are, uh, we're going to the Buffalo trip. Book your trip now. Because those tickets, there's 600 of us going down to Atlanta. Those tickets are going to go fast. If you don't think that the Buffalo trip is going to soak up like that, especially if the Eagles get as hot as I think they're going to be. You say if? When. When the Eagles get it. Speak it into existence. Speak it into existence. There he goes with that stuff again. (laughs) Uh, I would book the trip now. And, again, use checkout code JOHN. Um, The seating chart's already been made. Everybody that used checkout code JOHN is going to be sitting next to us, sitting in our same section. We can't wait to party with the fans in Atlanta who are fourth and JOHN fans. The only bad thing about going to this game is the fact that, and I want to give a real quick shout-out to the uh, Philly Sports Card and Memorabilia Show who is putting on an awesome event while we're going to be down in Atlanta. Uh, uh, I'm heartbroken over it because they're going to have Mike Tyson there. And all I wanted was a photo opportunity with Mike Tyson. They're going to have Randall there. I'm going to have Randall there. They're going to have Donovan there. A whole bunch of Phillies. Um, uh, Vander Holyfield. Vander Holyfield. Just so many things. So if Mike you're interested, And we went down to uh, the Philly Sports Card and Memorabilia Show last year, and that's when Trox got that picture with uh, – with Fletcher Cox, and we almost broke the internet, or at least the Eagles' Twitter, because he went, he went rolling by in that scooter, and we went, whoa, 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 whoa. 
What is this all about? He went flying by in that scooter because he was hoping that nobody would see. We caught it. Um, check him out, phillyshow.com. Check out the appearances. It's a great opportunity to get up close and personal with your, uh, your favorite Eagles, your favorite Phillies, your favorite Sixers, photo ops, autograph opportunities. So please check them out. And Evan, let's roll it along. All right, so the Twitter questions. Bingo is my name-o. Uh, wants to talk about the two um, QB sneaks from Carson Wentz, mm. and he's uh, remarking about uh, his risky, uh, how his health has been throughout his career. He's saying, mm. especially with all the kind of uh, talent we have in the backfield, do you think that that is a proper risk, doing the uh, QB sneaks? Yeah, I think absolutely, with that offensive line pushing the way they're pushing. I don't think it was utilized enough in the past. I don't want to sit here and complain that it's being utilized too much. Uh, Carson's a big boy. Yeah, you know that's a that's an all, a powerful offensive line, and that's a high success rate play. Too. And it is a high success rate play. Listen, you can't wrap Carson Wentz in bubble wrap. I'm excited at the fact that he stayed within the pocket. He moved horizontally within the pocket and extended the play to allow him to throw down the field and didn't take any unnecessary risks or unnecessary hits. But I'm not going to put kitten mittens on this dude and tell him that he can't dive for the first down or or try to mush the pile forward on a third and one. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's a play that he should make all day. And with our line and that kind of push, uh, you got to get that. Uh, one thing I was, you know, happy to see was a quote from Carson Wentz. After I read it, I was like, wow, you know, he, he sounds like he's in a good place. I felt great physically and mentally. There was a lot of hard work over the, the, these last few weeks on game planning. And mentally, I just felt really good with our plan. Physically, I was feeling free, being able to get rid of the knee brace and just go play ball. It's been a blessing and I'm thankful for the way that the recovery went. That sounds like a guy who's in a good space right now. Yeah, absolutely. Next question. Big Cheryl wants to know, which player smells the worst after the game? <laughs> is, this, is this a real, <laughs> this is a real question? question? Who do you think smells the worst? <laughs> <sighs> I bet you Jason Kelsey gets a little grody. He looks like a grody dude. I don't know. Like, listen, the ESPN body the issue came out. I know everyone made a big deal out of it. Like, I, I, I don't know. You would have to ask the offense. I bet it's an offensive lineman, and you would have to ask the guys at the photo shoot because at that point, they're barren at all, and I'm sure you can see as I'm much gonna, as you can smell. I think V might have some stench to him. Might be. I'm going to pass on this question. <laughs> I feel feeling a little uncomfortable. Thank you, Big Cheryl. All right, uh, Zach Kessler wants to know, um, do you think Deshaun Ka- uh, Jackson keeps up with the uh, share of passes that he saw in week one? Yes. But, again, I think defenses are going to start paying more attention to him. Uh, I think they're going to know that he has that vertical speed, and if he's even, he's leaving. Mm-hmm. They're going to think you can't single cover him. You're going to have to put a sa- uh, safety deep. You can't trust that anymore. There's no more the days, or, le- or at least the days of yesteryear, where they were dropping the safeties in because there was really no vertical threat and they were jamming the receivers, are gone. It opens up the rest of the offense. So having Deshaun Jackson there gives you a vertical deep threat that's going to score touchdowns and, and get those big chunk plays. The latent function of it is it's going to open up everybody else. So I think you're going to see everybody else eat as well. Yeah, I mean, he got 10 targets. He, he led the you know the receivers uh, and tight ends in that uh, market. Uh, I think it, it's going to be, like I said, pick your poison each week. You really, it's 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 hard to key on on everybody. You can just as easy as you can use Zachers as a decoy. You can use Deshaun Jackson as a decoy moving forward. What do you got? Uh, Nick Steinman wants to know: um, Do you think that the play crawling will have to be more aggressive or on par with uh, the last game? I think that what they were trying to do, you know, they they formulated an offensive game plan that 
you know, they were trying to trying to take advantage of some matchups, and that's why Darren Sproles was used so much. And you saw them make the adjustments at halftime. That's mm-hmm. what you saw. And I take for granted, like I forget, I get so I still got Andyitis mm-hmm. and Chipitis, where <laughs> if things aren't going good in the first half, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a long day. Oh, they're going to come out at halftime with the same exact game plan, and it's going to suck. But Doug has always, in his in his years here, has always been able to go into the game and make the proper adjustments. So I feel confident that they're going to be able to move the ball. Okay. Oh, yeah. Wentz was talking about uh, we're just – a lot of teams give up on third and long and just take a screen. Mm-hmm. We're going to just take what is there sometimes, but we're going to try to push the ball down the field when we can – when we can and make plays, it was good to see we were able to do that. They're going to be aggressive yeah. when, they, when they can and, and the opportunities there. They're going to take that chance. And that sounds like a confident quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like all, all those big plays were on third down um, last week. And that, that's great to see. I, I'd like to see them more productive on first and second down moving forward. I like that word, productive. There's a difference between aggression and being productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't think – They'll ever stop being aggressive. Were you watching the, the, the New Orleans Saints versus Houston Texans game? A little bit up. Did you see the New Orleans Saints uh, pass the 50? I think they were on the 47 of the Houston Texans, and it was fourth and short, and they punted. Like, I'm so used to Doug's play calling that when I saw them Just line up and register. punt for it, it didn't even register. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? They'll always have that sort of aggression. But I think the production and what they need to do just needs to be a little higher. And they shook off the rust. It was evident. They shook, shook off the rust. All right. Uh, Mr. Iflo wants to know, with this, yeah, week, with, Iflo. With this week's matchups, who, who do you think is primed for a big game offensively and defensively? I think this is the Miles Sanders-Jordan Howard show. Feed okay. them the rock. Feed yeah. them the rock. Let them, let them chew up that clock. Keep you think they it. see the ball evenly? Well, I mean, if, if you look at it uh, – Jordan had 44 yards on six carries, had the best yard per carry average at 7.3. Sanders saw the most amount of carries, 11 carries, but only 2.3 yards per carry. One called back, though. One called back, albeit one called back. But I think you're going to see, like, a a more even mixture of the two. Sanders is going to have that I-mile Sanders game. This could absolutely be it. This could absolutely be it. I want to see it even, but I want to see a strong dedication to the run game. Remember, the Atlanta Falcons are going to be motivated. They hate your guts, and they just got the butt, butts kicked by the Vikings. All right? Just play it smart. Run the ball. Maintain the ball control. Run the clock. Be smart. I think if you get up early on the Falcons and, and then you score a couple and then you start yeah. that run game and get that run game going, I think Miles Sanders could break out. It could be Jordan Howard. I, I would like to see – Zach Ertz on their linebackers. Uh, you know, there's some you know question marks on their linebacker group. Um, can they can they can they cover Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard in space? Mm. Is a is a good question. Um, so I think uh, Zach Ertz could have a, that breakout game for us uh, defensively. I think um, you know I think uh, Malcolm J- Malcolm Jenkins sh- should come up and make a big play. You think Zach Ertz was getting a little jealous? The best meme I saw after the game <laughs> was the dude with the chick and looking at another chick. And the chick walking by was Deshaun Jackson. The dude was Carson Wentz. And the girl that was all offended was yeah. Zach Ertz. Bro, 
Listen, you, you got to show love to your boy, all right? So feed Zach Ertz a little bit of that rock, too. You got one more for us? Yeah, Tim Holman wants to know. Yeah. Um, he's, he's talking about how uh, the defense kind of didn't show up the entire game, and he wants to know, do you think the Eagles are going to use their offense to control the time of possession more just so they can uh, have the defense on the field less? You were, you were speaking to my point. And, again, I can't stress enough, people are getting upset at the defense and the execution of the defense and some of the play calls within the defense. Keep in mind that Jim Schwartz's defense doesn't work properly or isn't to the, the right production, if we're going to use the word production, unless the Eagles have a lead. You're down three scores at a certain point in the game. Mm -hmm. So the defense starts playing back. They're on their heels. They're not pinning their ears back. The pass rush isn't effective. Let them get up by three scores, then watch what happens. Then watch how aggressive that defense gets. So, yes. And I, I think if you look at the last times we played the Falcons, they've shut down the run, mm. made them pretty much one-dimensional. Uh, you know, you, they have to really watch themselves in terms of giving up big plays. Uh, they gave up a lot of big chunk plays um, last season. So I think this year they, they have to watch that. But um, they got to shut down that running game. And it'll, it'll make everything – uh, fine and dandy once they're one-dimensional. Atlanta, get ready, because the 4th and John boys are coming to your stadium, and we're taking over the place with the Green Legion. We're, gonna be, we're super excited to get down there. Real quick, the Piccolo music video, if I remember correctly, Spence, uh, or if I know this correctly, Spence shot that, and we should be ready to go with it by the next time we go live on Facebook. Of course, subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us those ratings, those reviews. Five stars, please. Goes a long way. And also, like us on Facebook and check out our Facebook live show and on YouTube. We're also on YouTube live right now, which is awesome. Uh, check us out. Give us a like. Subscribe. Check out the content on forceandjohn.com. A lot of writers putting out really Yo, uh, great articles. Yeah, they're putting out great stuff right now. They Check are completely in full gear. Until next time, let's go birds, and we will see you right here at NBC Sports Philadelphia Studios next week. Go birds. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.